Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hog Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handyman. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. Since 1984, Max's Garage, located at 1010 South Rock Street in Sheridan, Arkansas, has been your one-stop shop for all of your auto repair needs, including tune-ups, oil changes, transmission repairs, and even body work. Stop by or give them a call today at 870-942-4612. Again, that's 870-942-4612. What's with What's going on, Arkansas Razorback fans, SEC fans everywhere? Welcome to the one, the only Hog Talk podcast. I hope you're digging some Weezer right now. Hope you're digging that. Some Buddy Holly action for you. Um, Alongside me today, Kyle Sutherland down in central Arkansas. How you doing, my man? Staying safe, staying cool. It's, it's actually not near as bad as it's been lately. Still a little humid, but it's at least tolerable outside. I don't know how it is up in NWA, but oh, you know, it's it's um, it's 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 ninety, I think 92, 91, 92 degrees with that good old Arkansas humidity. You know that we feel across the state. It's so wonderful. My kids earlier uh, were complaining about being outside and being too hot. So I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I, I pick up my oldest daughter. She's eight years old. I run outside, and I just throw her in the pool. Straight up, just threw her in the pool. And then my younger daughter, Addie, she's five. She's, like, running away in terror because she knows it's coming. I run at her, and I pick her up, and I throw her in the damn pool. And I'm like, there, cool off. That's how you do it. I don't want you inside being loud while, while Daddy's trying to work, while he's trying to record. So you guys can chill. Here's This is the situation in our backyard, though, Kyle. Okay, for anyone who's like, oh, you're a cruel parent keeping your kid out in this heat. Look, <laughs> we have one of those patio covers, right? Mm-hmm. It, so it deflects yeah. the heat. I've got – there's a big old box fan that sits out there. They've got water. They've got a pool, a swimming – or a, 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 a swing set, a trampoline – like they're they're good to go, and they're in here complaining about the heat. They've been outside for like maybe thirty minutes, and so I'm just like I pick her up and I just throw her I throw her a little butt in the pool, and she's like I cannot believe you did that, Daddy. And I'm like Oh yeah, that just happened. That just happened. Um, we uh, there's not a ton to talk about this week. We did have some some stuff happen with recruiting. <laughs> it's really fascinating. We'll start with. Landon Rogers, who who 
decommitted, what, three weeks ago? Three. Yeah, th- July 4th. On so, July 4th, so about two weeks ago. And then recommitted today before we started recording the podcast. And, uh, yeah, I, I – you know, we were skeptical of his arm, like his his arm talent. I'm not skeptical of his arm strength or his ability as a dual threat quarterback. We know he's athletic once he gets out of the pocket. Uh, he can move pretty good for someone who's six four, about two, just sh- uh, shade under two twenty. He can move outside of the pocket, but uh, there's some there's some mechanic issues that we were. Well, if you listen to anybody that talks about him, that was one of their biggest concerns was, you know, he's got he's got some there's some room there for some improvement in the arm department, but he's definitely he's athletic, he's big, uh, you know, he's he's got pretty good pocket awareness. There's some there's some things there that make sense. So, of course, he recommits and we post that on Hog Talk and what's the first thing everybody asks? It's, "Oh, this must be for a position change." You know, so it's kind of common knowledge for most fans and probably people who listen to us that oh well maybe he's maybe he's the next AJ Derby maybe he's somebody who who played quarterback okay in high school but maybe he's more suited to play another position which still could be in the cards I have no idea but Kyle what do you make of his recommitment to the University of Arkansas I think simply it was just one of those deals where he was offered on. April 16th, and just like any other kid that grows up playing football or basketball, whatever sport it may be, in the state of Arkansas, your dream is to become a Razorback. And so he got that offer, committed on the spot, and then once he thought about it a little more, it was probably like, well, I might need to see if I'm going to get any more offers, take my other visits. And I know that his other P5 offer is Kansas, and maybe he was talking with them, felt some promise from that school. I'm, I'm not really sure what happened there, but – just took a step back on July 4th and took a few weeks and thought more about his decision and ultimately decided that this is where he wants to be. You know, his his other offer, his other P5 offer was Kansas. Of course, they've been all over the state of Arkansas. They're um you know, they're 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 all over kids in in the state. And I think that was the biggest rumor was oh, well he's going to commit to KU. In fact, there was a prediction from Steve Wilftong with uh, 247 who who did absolutely predict him to Kansas, but his confidence was really low. You know, you can do that on two four seven now. The experts, the lead experts, can put their confidence level in where they think these kids are going. And I think he had him like at a one, uh, but did have him committing to to KU, uh, Kansas, or excuse me, Arkansas in the state of Arkansas. On just the two four seven rankings, he is still he's he's hanging around the top ten spot. He's number nine. He's the number thirty three dual threat quarterback uh, in all of high school football. Then, if you look at the two four composite two four seven composite ratings, he's a point eight five three star. And again, composite meaning you know all the other recruiting analysts and, and recruiting sites kind of combined here, they have him listed as the uh, number six player. In the state of Arkansas, number thirty-one overall dual threat quarterback, and they have him just inside uh, the top one thousand total uh, uh, players in that in that ranking. So, if you look at this class, the two thousand twenty-one class, uh, that's seventeen commitments now. They also got a kicker, and I know uh, you've got a lot more information on him than I do. But they got Cameron Little out of. Where? Out of where? Southmore, Oklahoma. What is it about this pipeline to Oklahoma, holy cow, 
but uh, he's he's rated on another website pretty highly thought of there. And Kyle, I'll let you I'll let you talk about Cameron. Well, there was a a little bit of I, th- I guess you could say miscommunication on Twitter yesterday after he had committed. I'd seen some people talking about how we got a five star kicker, and that's not really true per se. Now they have the Coles kicking camps. Now Coles they do various camps throughout the entire country, but basically for any kind of specialist, long snapper, punter, kicker. That's essentially their elite 11. And so if you want to play big-time college football, if you want to kick, punt, or long long snap uh, at the highest levels of college football, this is the camps that you will attend. And they had him ranked as the number two kicker, the number eight punter, and I guess you could somewhat say a five-star on their site. Now, I'm not saying that their rankings don't hold any weight, but – He's not ranked on ESPN or Rivals yet. Now, per Nikki Chavanel from Hogbeat, which is, of course, the Arkansas affiliate to Rivals, she, uh, he will be getting his his um, rating from Rivals here in the near coming future. But he doesn't have a composite score, so he only has two four seven right now, which I believe they have him as the num- the third ranked kicker in the country and a three star. So. Once he gets the composite score, like right now, Landon Rogers with him committing again. Arkansas goes from 29th in the country in the 2001 recruiting class to 27, 8th in the SEC. Let's say within the next week that Cameron Little gets his rankings, then Arkansas will probably be flirting with the top 25. I'd say maybe that 24-25 spot. Now, as we've all seen, quite a few things can happen at any second in the recruiting rankings, and those rankings are completely irrelevant right now. I mean, we haven't even gotten to the season yet, so still a lot left to go there, but not not taking anything away from Cameron Little. I'm very excited that we got him. I trust any decision that Scott Fountain makes, our special teams coordinator. He's very, very proven as a coach, especially with what he was able to do at Georgia. I believe he sent five or six punters and kickers to the league within the last 10 years, his most recent one being Rico Blankenship that won the Lou Groza at, at, at Georgia last year. So I'm very excited to have Cameron Little not – demeaning his rankings whatsoever, but uh, just kind of clearing up a little bit of confusion there with the whole five-star rate. Well, recruiting, when you when you look at it, like the last, really the last couple of weeks, like you got the Aaron Outley commitment from uh, Parkview, uh, teammates with Landon Rogers, uh, both both from, if you talk to anybody in-state, like, like we do, like we're able to do, uh, Aaron Outley's thought really highly of, Landon Rogers again. We don't know. We don't really know much about him other than the junior film that we've seen. Like I don't know. Maybe he's improved. I don't know. And that's you know we were talking earlier about needing the regular season, about needing high school football to take place so these kids get game film. And you can you know coaches are going to use that to further evaluate their you know their opinion on these players. And the same thing the recruiting analysts are going to do. You know they do more than just show up to camps to get eyeballs on these kids. They also want to see what they do in actual uh, competition. So maybe Rodgers has improved. Aaron Outley, who's looked at – I mean, look at his offer list. It's ridiculous. And from what I understand, a lot of those are very committable offers. I mean, he's got some ridiculous offers. And he's a low-rated three-star, you know, 6'4", 255-pound defensive end out of Little Rock – it's 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 I, I it's almost a little bit baffling, and we get that I get that every once in a while. In fact, my last uh, PTN live show, someone asked, "Why does he have all these offers 
and like no stars or, or not, you know, the, the, you would think that his stars would be equivalent to his offers. And that's not always the case, by the way. Uh, there's, we also have to understand, and maybe we'll, we'll, you know, maybe Landon Rogers, you know, we'll, we'll see how his recruiting goes from here on out. But there is a difference between committable and non-committable offers. Just because a kid has 20 offers, we don't know how many of those are actually committable. So maybe there's a reason why that kid is a two or three star. But, you know, so, yeah, it's it's recruiting the last couple of weeks appears to be, you know, on the up and up. I mean, they're doing pretty well, all things considered, with all the restrictions from the NCAA, not allowing Sam Pittman and his staff to go on these, these visits with these kids and not allowing official visits to take place. So all things considered, they're doing really well. But this class, like you said, it's you know it's 27th in the country. You're eighth in the SEC right now. But according to 247 Composite, you've only got one four-star. That being AJ Green out of uh, uh, Tulsa, out of Union. But that's five. That with with the addition of of uh, the kicker of Little, that's now five kids out of the state of Oklahoma. Four out of Arkansas committed, four out of Texas, one from Florida, one from Georgia, one from Louisiana, and one from Missouri. So the 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 right now I would argue, you know, they're taking what did we say earlier, Kyle? Twenty four twenty four in this class. I know for sure they have twenty four to give because with Jaqueline Crawford coming on from transferring in from Oklahoma, that's down to twenty four. I know that they're they're borrowing at least one for the 2021 class, it might be down to 23, but I know for sure 24. One other thing I was going to point out, you mentioned the five from Oklahoma, the four from Arkansas. Mm-hmm. This 2021 is not going to wow you overall, but Arkansas has extended five offers to the kids in state, and they've gotten four just missing on before, assuming that they all sign and enroll. Drayden Norwood committed to A&M last week is the only one uh, that, they, that they've missed on. So they're doing very and, – and with we'll get into the 2022 class here in a second, but those there's nine of those kids that have already been offered. So nine, for the yeah. most part, they're, they're getting who they want. They're doing a really good job, too, of fending off Kansas, who they've offered everybody in the state. I swear to God, I think they offered my, my, my 10-year-old nephew. You know, I, I mean, <laughs> they've literally I – think, I think it was the other day for 21 and 22 – I think out of the top 15 prospects in Arkansas from each class, I think there was only two of those guys that Kansas has an offer. So Brent Deerman, their offensive coordinator, he used to be at Arkansas Tech as the offensive coordinator there, has really built a lot of relationships with the coaches around Arkansas and is continuing that and really trying to put a fence for Kansas around the state. And that's that's understandable. I mean, if you know – look, Les Miles – who's the CEO of the football program. That's the head coach's position. He's giving him the okay to walk into Arkansas and to give these kids, from what I believe to be committable offers, um, you know, and again, you you, uh, you had an offer on, on the table for Landon Rogers, and I think we had been told that, that well, I know who I've been able to talk to about Landon. Uh, KU, that was absolutely a committable offer. Like, that was a legit offer on the table, and he's still stuck with Arkansas. I mean, so far, we'll, we'll see if he changes his mind again. But um, Arkansas's not lost as far as kids that they've offered that KU has also offered. I don't think they've lost a single commit so far through the through this class, and obviously nobody in the next class. So that's a good sign that even though KU and yeah, I get it, it's KU. I, I, I get it. Like you should beat out KU for in-state prospects. I completely agree. We also have to we also have to come to the understanding that. Arkansas has won a combination of four games the last two years. 
you had two years of Chad Morris, which might as well have been hell. I don't know. Might as well have been probation. You might as well have been on NCAA. Like you might as well made their 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 crap list. I want to use another expletive there, but uh, with two years of Chad Morris, it sure feels like it in terms of what you've or what you haven't been able to do on the field and the lack of wins. That's the situation you're in with that you're in right now is with KU is coming in and they are competing with you with some of these prospects. I don't know that Arkansas goes a hundred percent against Kansas, but that that's who you're, that's who you're fighting with right now. And you're in your own territory is Kansas. I don't know. And, and you've, you've been fortunate enough this weekend or this week, you've been talking to head coaches. I don't know what kind of impact Kansas has made on some of these other recruits that are uncommitted. So it seems like we're going to have to really fight them off. I mean, that is the case for in-state prospects. KU is, they want it to be known. They're coming into this state, and they want to take somebody. And I think they might. They very well could. With this 2022 class looking pretty deep, I mean, they look they look solid. Who, if you've got a short list put together for me of who you think might actually commit to Arkansas first, who would that be? If you've got a list of names, if it's just one guy, who do you got? This is definitely one of the deeper classes we've had since 2008. Now, I don't know that we're going to have the 15 commit, 15 guys that were from that particular class, but it could certainly reach the double digits that they could bring in. They've got nine offers out right now, and out of those that they have at the moment, if anybody from the state was going to be the first to commit for 22, I would say it's either going to be J.J. Hollinsworth, the defensive end out of Greenland or the most recent offer Caden Turner the linebacker out of Fayetteville it seems like Caden is really big on the hogs um, just like many of the guys as we were talking about a second ago like that when we were talking about Landon Rogers wanting to stay in state and, and play for the hometown hogs I think Caden Turner could definitely be one that commits maybe here in the next couple of months but overall just from top to bottom this is a, a definite stacked class and um, I, I really like Andrew Chambly, Amarion Harris, the two offensive linemen that are four stars. Of course, we need as much offensive line depth as, as we can possibly get, but there's some skill players in there too. But and and these aren't just offers that they're getting from Arkansas and then some small SEC, small Big Twelve. I mean, we're talking about Alabama offers, Georgia, Auburn, mm-hmm. Florida State. Now I know Florida State's not who they used to be, but still a very respectable name in terms of recruiting. And so these are some kids that, especially as we get into their junior seasons and into their senior years, there's no telling how many will be offered by Arkansas and continue to get even the bigger offers. Well, you know, you mentioned uh, the linebacker out of Fayetteville. Uh, Arkansas's had some pretty good luck with kids that play linebacker from Fayetteville. Now, I know um, Brooks Ellis, who, who, you know, wasn't exactly a head turner, but he was, he was a pretty productive player out of Fayetteville for Arkansas and and then of course you had Greenlaw who actually played more safety in high school than he did linebacker but did transition between the two positions ended up being uh, linebacker at the University of Arkansas as everybody knows and now you see what he's doing in the NFL I don't know what it is about Fayetteville and linebackers but I'll take it Caden Turner I've also heard you know to not be surprised that that's a kid that that gets bumped up a little bit uh, in the star in, in the positioning in the rankings. I'm with you. I think JJ Hollingsworth or uh uh Turner are probably the two that I would put on my list of guys to expect to commit 
sooner than later. Um, I don't know much about the the two tackles as far as their interest. I think you probably have more insight on that than I do. Then you've got the uh, number one player in the state according to 247. Now keep in mind, this is just 247, not the composite ratings for 22. But Isaiah Santagna, 5'11", 170-pound receiver, who was relisted as the number one player, I think, uh, like a week, a little more than a week ago on 247, and we talked about that here. And, of course, Chambly and Harris are also f- a pair of four-star tackles, Mamel and uh, J- and uh, Little Rock for Harris and uh, Mamel for Chambly. But, yeah, you still got James Joyner down there, six foot, 205-pound running back. I mean, there's this class, and I was looking at it, good grief you got a lot of running backs. I mean, there's – you could potentially have four running backs in the top ten in the state, according to 247. I can't remember yeah, the last Trave- time that's happened. Well, Travell Tra- Tra- Anderson is another one out of Gosnell. He's got Arkansas State, Colorado State, of course, Kansas, and North Texas. And so he, I, I think he's right on the cusp of probably getting an offer. He's just another one of those guys, as we keep going back to, that really needs some senior film or oh, some gosh. junior film and, yeah. and more – more tape to send out there to coaches uh, that that get those offers, and that's the thing, man. Is you know some of these kids are trying to fight for B five offers. Some are trying to fight for Division one. Some are just trying to fight for scholarships in general. And that's yeah. the the coaches that I spoke with this week. There was about five or six of them that I talked with, and every single one of them gave me at least one or multiple players that are right there on the cusp of, of getting it, whether it be an offer in general or the D one. But they just need more film is really what it boils down to. Yeah, and Travell Anderson, by the way, I, I I don't know if it's official if this is hand time, but I'm seeing that he's rumored to have like high four three, low four four speed. You know, that's hey, look, you're yeah. talking six foot, hundred ninety pounds. You know, that's kind of I I don't know who to compare him to. I'm not going to sit here and say he's the next Felix Jones, but you know, you got that kind of size. Um, you know, with, with, with that kind of speed. And by the way, his sophomore film is pretty fun to watch. I mean, he definitely pulls away from people, uh, even, you know, down at Gosnell, at Gosnell High School. Um, yeah, he's he's listed right now as the number 41st overall running back, number eight player state, or number eight player in the state of Arkansas. Expect him to probably jump. And then, yeah, the other two linebackers, Daryl Searcy and um, who's the other one? Joseph Hyman, the second. Who's a little bit smaller, five nine hundred seventy five pounds out of Pulaski Academy. So yeah, it's good to see too. You know, we just mentioned Joe T. Robinson, Pulaski. Um, you know, these schools. You know, James Joyner at Parkview and 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 some other kids. The last couple of classes out of Joe T. Robinson. It's good to see Central Arkansas producing talent again. Like this was if you talk to the to like. People my dad's age in their in their late fifties, early sixties, you know, the best that Arkansas. It seems like when they're at their best, it's when you're grabbing, you know, maybe eight, nine, ten, maybe more, maybe a dozen kids a, a year out of out of Central Arkansas, out of Little Rock, and out of that out of that part of the of the, of the, of the state, and then of course reaching into Texas and Oklahoma. That's when traditionally Arkansas has competed and played at a higher level. Now, obviously, we've also had that kind of talent from Little Rock and from Texas, and still struggle on the field. But it's good to see that they're if. if you know, you're not only are you producing that talent, but also you look at Sam Pittman 
the the talent where he's getting it from five from Oklahoma four from Arkansas four from Texas and then of course one here and there you know from Florida Georgia Louisiana Missouri but it's very obvious that he's he's going back to that to that Oklahoma Texas in-state Arkansas pipeline and I'm okay with yeah, that it's it, well, it is great to see. It's a it's a good point you bring up there about Central Arkansas because even when I was in high school in the mid two thousands, Central was still turning out. Probably like Freddie Fairchild was one that was a really good linebacker. I remember him for Arkansas. Now there was a guy named Mickey Dean. We called him Mickey Dean, the scoring machine. And there was see he initially was going to be the stud running back over a guy named Darren McFadden in Central Arkansas. And Mickey Dean ended up going to UAPB. He was, I mean, that guy was an incredible talent. I'm not really sure the whole backstory. Then you had Genesis Cole, who was in the 07 class with, with Charles Clay. That Of course, Charles Clay ended up going to play at Tulsa, and I believe he's still in the NFL, has been for quite some time. He's had at least an, a 10-year NFL career if he's not still there. But just out of, out of Little Rock Central, and then, of course, North Little Rock has created some uh, some really good prospects and and bryant has really began to as well oh, gosh, with yeah. the emergence of them so yeah it's it's really good to see it's really good for the state to, to see central arkansas be on the map and and one other guy i'm going to add in there as well from clarendon now clarendon is not known for turning out a ton of prospects i think the most recent big one that they've had was about 20 years ago which was cedric houston played for tennessee and then played in the nfl for a couple of years but quincy mcadoo He's, he's listed as a wide receiver, but he can play just about anywhere on the field. Of course, for a, a small school like Clarendon, you're going to play just about everything. But he's got Arkansas, Auburn, Baylor, Florida State. So his list is starting to pile up, too. He's another one to keep an eye on. Yeah, there's so many. Like, you go down the list, and it's like, well, yeah, I read about I read about Nico Davalier just the other day out of Maumel about how he's – Gaining some some real momentum. 6'5", 275-pound defensive tackle. We just talked about Travell Anderson and that rumored 4'4", high 4'3", speed. J.J. Hollingsworth. By the way, we talk about how good it is to get talent out of Little Rock. How about getting a defensive end out of Greenland, Arkansas? Okay, I know some of my Central Arkansas people probably couldn't even point to Greenland on a map. If you've ever been to the Fayetteville Airport, you could throw a softball uh, and, and hit Greenland. It's literally right there behind the airport, behind Fayetteville Airport. And for them to start, you know, I mean, they've got J.J. Hollingsworth. I mean, that's a, and he's a stud. I mean, he's 6'3", 6'4", about 250 pounds. He's really highly thought of. And we already talked about Daryl Searcy, and you still got some other kids. you got a kid out of Arkadelphia, uh, Jashawn Davis, 6'2", 200-pound athlete. There's uh, – there's there's some legitimate. I th- I think that this is going to be one of the deepest classes, this 2022 class that we've had in quite some time. Um, the only quarterback, and actually I think it was my dad that asked me this the other day about where the quarterbacks in the state. And your highest rated quarterback is Austin Myers out of Valonia, uh, 6'4", 185 pounds. They have him listed as a pocket, as a pro style quarterback, but he's listed as the number forty overall pro-style quarterback in the country and the number 14 player in the state of Arkansas. So um, it goes back to even without with how unorthodox this offseason has been, to see 20 players rated for the 2022 class at least three stars by 247, I, don't, I can't remember the last time that's happened. That'd probably be a really good question for someone like Trey Biddy or Danny West. But um, that, that just goes to show you that despite – COVID, despite all the the nonsense that's happened this offseason, 
you still have a really deep class. Imagine if these kids are able to play a full season of, of high school football and get more film out. It makes you wonder how many other kids would be added to this list and how much more star power we would see. Maybe not much, but still it's, I think it's, uh, it's something interesting to ponder to say the least. You know, if, if we had a, a normal business as usual off season and then a normal uninterrupted high school football season, I'm really curious to see if that happens. And if it does, what the result of that is. But, you know, it is, it's saying something. These kids need football. Okay? It's not just for us. It's not for you. These kids, some of these kids need football. The kids that don't get the, 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 that don't get the publicity that some of these other kids do. Maybe they play at smaller schools. You know, and again, talking about J.J. Hollingsworth out of Greenland. Like, maybe there's more of them out there in this class. I don't know. But uh, I hope to God we have, a, we have a football season. So, speaking of COVID really quick, I wanted to, I wanted to talk just really quick about uh, this was from Dan Woken on Twitter on uh, July 20th, so it was three days ago. And he says HBO interviewed Greg Sankey for Real Sports, and this excerpt is the re- is there is what they're releasing to the to the press. And he says, "Well, it's something." This is what HBO's David Scott says to Greg Sankey uh, to the extent. That you have already flown, I gather, hundreds of athletes back to your campuses for training. Haven't you already put them at an increased risk of infection, Mr. Greg Sankey? Okay, I made that last little bit up. He didn't say Mr. Greg Sankey. Greg Sankey responds with, uh, well, first of all, let's be clear. We haven't flown student-athletes back to our campuses. Some of our student-athletes will drive. Others will make their own arrangements. So we we haven't done that. You're, you are asking a question in comparison. So, in comparison to what? To having them work out at homes or home gyms that may have been their own hot spots, talking about you know, COVID-19, without oversight of sports medicine specialists, without strength and conditioning coaches, uh, and that reality informed what I still believe was the right decision. Yeah, I, I think that was that was a good mic drop from Greg Sankey talking about why maybe these kids are safer, you know, under you know under the watchful eye of you know the the over what he says the oversight of sports medicine specialists, you know, the strength and conditioning coaches, and of course the doctors, the team doctors, and um, you know everyone a part of the 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 you know the, the medicine specialist as he put it, they're under the watchful eye of these guys. Maybe it's maybe these kids are actually safer to be on campus to be a part of the uh, of what's going on in, inside these athletic facilities, being under the watchful eye of of the medicine specialist. I think that was a really good point. Obviously, high school kids aren't getting that same treatment, but um, it's a, it's a pretty good argument to make that maybe maybe it's not such a bad idea to let business go as usual. And Kyle, you brought up something earlier that was a really good point about these schools that are testing. And they're doing what? What? What's the reaction from these tests? They're overwhelmingly positive. That was exactly what I was going to touch on. It, I understand that we're talking about when there's a spike in cases and all that, but we're not focusing enough on the fact that in the NBA bubble in Orlando, 346 players were tested and zero were positive. Oklahoma had tested on Wednesday, according to uh, this was this is a report that Brett McMurphy of the stadium released this morning on third, of course, being Thursday morning, that they tested 96 athletes on Wednesday and not a single one tested positive. So it's very clear 
that the majority of these universities and these organizations in pro sports are doing a basically phenomenal job of keeping either the cases down or not having a single case at all. If there is any, it's a very, very low percentage. And I, I keep going back to the whole thing. You know, I, I, I jokingly said, I think it was last week, if, if Jim Bob can breathe down my neck two, two inches away at the grocery store, then I think that kids can play sports. And, and, I, and I know that that's, you know, it's all funny and stuff, but I, but I mean, I mean that seriously. Like, yeah. we're at Lowe's, at the grocery store. The thing is, if this thing was, and, and I'm not, and I'm not taking anything away from it, as I've said so many times, but if this was as deadly as some make it out to be, and I know that there have been, and there's probably listeners that we have that have been affected by this. I, I have a, a cousin of mine through marriage. Um, now, he was also pretty up there in age, but he passed away from it. So I'm not being insensitive to this. But the fact of the matter is, if this yeah. was as deadly as some people make it out to be, then we would be on complete lockdown. And we never got to that point, uh, at least as an overall country. But I'm just, I, I don't see how they're just going to continue to take this away from the kids when there, there should be football with the players, with the coaches, and with limited media. I, yeah. I'm fine with the no fans. As weird as it is, I'm fine. Like the, playing in front of a stadium of just air, I, I, I'm all for just to get the, get the season back, get the kids playing, get them some film out there to get to the next level. Because this is this is some of the those kids, their only chance out and their chance to make it in life. Uh, that's a good point. And like you said, we haven't been put under mass martial law yet. Although I think there's some some state senators and mayors and uh, some other people on the certain side of the aisle that would absolutely love to lock us down and put us into martial law. But I, look, I, I do believe, look, wear your mask, okay? This thing is serious. COVID-19, I, Kyle and I, nobody here at the Hog Talk, Porter, Jacob, Kyle Bohannon, Okabo out there, like none of us are saying, to, hey, this isn't a big deal. Of course it is. Um, but I do think... In, to some degree, we do have to learn to live with it. I think you need to give parents the options. When you're talking grade school, that's a big difference between kids going to grade school, you know, K through, you know, let's just say K through six, or even high school for that matter. There's a big difference in that and sending kids to especially these Division One Power Five schools. And I know not all all campuses have what the SEC schools have, but still, a, a, a lot of the Power Fives do. Uh, they offer some of the same services. And again, what Sankey said here is it's just like it's a mic drop. He's talking about your your you know, do you want to send these kids back home? And he says here, or 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 uh to to having them work out at homes or home gyms that may have been their own hotspots without oversight of sports medicine specialists. You get that. You get that at division in most division one schools, even the non power fives, you have you have a medicine specialist who are going to take care of these kids. So there's a big difference in sending kids to, to grade school. Where I get, you know, there's, there's in some, in, especially in Springdale. Here in Springdale, it's actually the largest school district in the entire state. It's hard to believe because it's only like the fourth largest town in Arkansas, I think. It's right behind, uh, I think it's right behind Fort Smith and Fayetteville. But uh, there's 30 there's 30 kids or 30 kids to one teacher 25 kids and even some of the more conservative classes you still got 15 kids to one teacher that I understand like okay hey hold on, hold on let's be a little skeptical about maybe sending them the full time I get that let's do a little let's give parents the option to do virtual but when you're talking about 
again, college football, I think they're safer in those athletic facilities around constant, you know, being monitored constantly. You know, even those guys that are asymptomatic, I think you're going to have testing available. It needs to be available if it's not, and I agree with that. We need to have more testing. Uh, but again, I think we, everyone here says to take this serious. I too have had uh, some friends of mine that have been affected. Fortunately, they've been, most of them have been asymptomatic. Another friend of mine, Tim, got hit pretty hard with it, and he's come out of it really well. Um, so, but yeah, this is the reality, and I, and I think we do have to learn to live with it to some degree, to, to, well, to a really large degree. So, uh, Greg Sankey here, I think, hit hit the ball out of the park. Congrats to him on that. I thought that was well done. So, And, again, that was an HBO interview with Real Sports, Greg Sankey, and uh, HBO's David Scott. So if you want to check that out, it should should be available somewhere. Um, Discord. Discord, we asked some questions, and uh, we got a couple of responses. I'm trying to scroll up and find them. Uh, Jarrett Carrot <laughs> from, <laughs> from our Hog Talk. Uh, Discord says uh, thoughts on Washington football team uh, being being the new name of the Redskins. So he's asking about the Washington Redskins mascot logo situation. Well, I'll start off. Our our listeners that are uh, consistent, they know that I am a Cowboys fan. So I have hated Washington my entire <laughs> life. Uh, always despised that team. Um, so I, I, I'm not trying to just cop out and, and disregard the question. So I, I, I honestly just don't care, but I will say that they've got a lot bigger issues in DC, uh, than a name change. First off, they've got the trademark whole situation that they're having to try to fight through. And, um, on top of that, when you've got sexual assault allegations, I think that's a little Ooh. bit more worrisome for Daniel Snyder and co, um, than, the name change. So they've got a lot of issues that I want no part of. And I, again, I hate that team with a fiery passion. So I frankly just do not care. I just, I really haven't given it a whole lot of thought, Jared. I mean, I appreciate the question, man. I really do. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not disregarding Jared's question. I appreciate you getting involved. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the question, but I'm just, I, I just, I truly don't care. I'll say this much. Um, my junior high was the Ramey Indians. I still have my little uh, my little helmet, little trophy helmet from when we went undefeated in '98, and it says Ramey Indians on it. I'm gonna always be a Ramey Indian. You know, I haven't given it a whole lot of thought. I, I've got even if it was retaining to me, you know, I, I've got thick skin. I, I'm used to being called names. I'm used to being, you know, kind of harassed online. And that is, you know, and I've got pretty thick skin. It takes a lot to get me triggered. And the last thing that's going to bother me is, is a logo. You could call it the Washington fat bearded Sasquatches. And I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get upset by that. Cause I, I am probably a fat Sasquatch. I don't know. That's what, um, that's, that's, that's at least what I've been called before or a troglodyte. I was called a troglodyte one time. If you don't know what that is, it's basically a Neanderthal. Um, <laughs> The uh, Kelly, Kelly Marie, shout out to her. She wants to know if we go to a conference only schedule, how many games are winnable? Mm. Ouch. Well, I know we've talked about our predictions a couple of times. And, and so, you know, I have said the three of the four non cons losing to Notre Dame. But if we're just talking about conference only, I had said one of the Mississippi schools. You maybe can throw possibly Mizzou in there. Now that one's in Columbia, and then I, I think we have uh, I think we have Ole Miss at home, and then Mississippi State on the road. But 
I, I think the most feasible would be one of the Mississippi schools, um, probably more so Mississippi State. Ole Miss, even though that I'm not crazy about – I know Lane Kiffin, he can call plays with the best of them, but I'm not crazy about the staff he put together. Matt Luke did leave the cupboard full for the most part. They've got some studs on both sides of the ball. But Mississippi State, I mean, it's Mike Leach, the guy that I don't even know if he even plays defense, really, maybe once every ten years. <laughs> and I just I just don't really like the air raid. I, I, I like Mike Leach as a guy. I think he's funny. I think he's an incredible follow on, on Twitter. I'm just not a fan of the How Mummy true air raid that he and, and How Mummy per- perfected. Uh, I guess you could say perfected uh, whenever you don't play a aggressive defense. But I think that probably just being the most realistic here, if you're going to win any conference game, it's going to be Mississippi State or Ole Miss, one of those two. You don't think Mizzou? You don't think they could? I, You know, I just feel <laughs> I'm not going to believe we can beat Mizzou again until I see it. It's been so long. It's, it's we're almost on a Texas A and M esque type losing streak to Mizzou. God, so I just depressing. feel like that's one of those teams that because you know, like for a while we had Mississippi State's number. It was like no matter how bad we were, we usually beat them for a while. Maybe not like within recent memory, but I feel like the early Houston Nut days and the mid two thousands. Missouri right now, just I feel like they have our number. So I'll and I, I'm not really crazy about Elijah Drinkwitz. I think he's a good play caller. Again, I don't know how he's going to be as a head coach, but. That's just another one of those that I'll once we beat them, and then I'll I'll believe it. I'm not going to be happy if they start a losing streak against the guy that looks like the uh, the main character from Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> like that that, and it's already sad that they've lost as often as they have to to Mizzou. Like that's so de- to me, that's more depressing than A and M. Well, and I'll say this about Elijah Drinkwitz. I think that a lot of the things that come out of his mouth, he's a little too fresh in the head coaching ranks to be saying. But, hey, man, props where it's due. Um, Alma guy climbed his way through. Uh, of course, he's a Gus Malzahn, Gus Malzahn disciple, and mm-hmm. he's climbed his way through the ranks, and he's now a head coach in the SEC, and he's only been in the game like – I think he's been coaching for about 10 to 12 years, and he's in the SEC. So, uh, major shouts. Always love seeing homegrown <laughs> boys make it yeah. up to that level. But uh, at the same time, I hope we kick your butt every year. Yeah, I, and 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 I, that's great and all, and I, I am you know that's cool. Uh, but yeah, I hate Mizzou, and, and it's like I think a lot of fans feel this way that Mizzou should be beneath Arkansas, it, without question. And it's it's just not the case. Like they've even given them trouble in basketball, baseball. Yeah, I mean they couldn't spell baseball, but. Which is crazy because you know they're the home of the greatest major league baseball team of all time, the uh, one and only St. Louis Cardinals. But <laughs> but they 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 couldn't spell baseball up there. But they've they've basically since joining the conference. I mean, people forget they won the SEC East two years in a row. Their first two years in the conference, they won the like they've accomplished almost as much as Arkansas has. In the little amount of time they've been in the conference, and and yeah, they've, they've only, been crap since. We've beaten them. We've beaten them one time since they joined the SEC. Once. And that's – I mean, that's enough to just – I don't know. Like, it, maybe I should have a drinking problem because of that because that's so depressing. And being up here – Granted, we didn't play them in 2012 and 2013, but still. Yeah. Uh, 2014 to 2019, they've won every year but 2015. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of – what I was going to say is there's a lot of Mizzou fans up here too. And it's yeah. – I'm friends with a couple, and it's just like, oh, my God, we lose to these oh guys? 
I, I've got a lot of family members that are Mizzou fans, and it's uh, it's an interesting conversation. A lot of a lot of Mizzou because my dad's from the southeast part of Missouri, so we've got Mizzou fans, and then we've also got some that have dipped down in northeast Arkansas and that hate the Razorbacks and love a state. So very <laughs> interesting conversations when we get together. <laughs> I'll say this <laughs> to Kelly's question: regular. If this was a regular. 12 game like it was supposed to be like COVID had never happened. I had Arkansas between two and four wins. There's just too much. There's just too many questions about depth. And you and I talked about that. And something Jacob and I used to always bring up is, okay, it's great. You've got, you've got Rakeem Boyd. Wonderful. Okay. Who's behind him? All right. Look at the linebacker situation that you're going into this year. You've got bumper pull. Okay. Bumper pulls an all conference caliber linebacker, in my opinion. And no, not this fourth string. God, I hate the fact that they're expanding the all-conference accolades. Like now, you could just you basically just for just for being a starter in the SEC, you're damn near going to make a at least the fourth team all-conference. That's so stupid. Phil still does that now. But bumper pull is uh, is an all-conference, like a first or second team, I believe, all-conference caliber linebacker. Okay, great. Who's behind him? Who's who's the guys next to him? You know, what's going on at defensive back? Like what what's the depth look like? Look look at the defensive line. Although I think there's some there's some unproven talent there, but they do have talent, but it's unproven. There's so many questions, and that's usually when I would do my preseason list that I would do on the pig trail on the YouTube channel, I would always break down like, okay, how much NFL talent is on each roster? What's the depth look like? What do they look like along the line of scrimmage? Like what's going on? And then I would circle the questions. How many questions does a team have? Arkansas is loaded down with questions. There's just so many things. And not just because you got a new head coach. No, 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 no. It's the talent. What, what, where is it? Outside of your skill position. I do think on offense, you're, I think you, I'm not going to say deep, but you've got some great talent on offense. Rakeem Boyd, Knox, Burks, I think Hudson Henry, unproven. But I think there's some potential there. We're going to see Blaine Toll at tight end. I'm really curious about that. That kid, he definitely looks like Tarzan. He's like, he's like, I think when he was 14, he had he had a six pack. I think the kid could I think he had abs. I mean, he just looks like Tarzan. I'm curious to see how how well he plays transitioning from defensive end to tight end at this level. Um, but there's so many other questions: line of scrimmage play, secondary depth, linebacker, overall talent, and because of that. I had them between two and four wins. With a conference-only schedule, I really – let's say they play this 10-game schedule everyone's been talking about, and it's all SEC. Guys, they really could go – I mean, this is not a, a – uh, this is this is an absolute possibility. They could go 0-10. And, and that hurts to say, and it sucks, but I think it's, I think it's an, an actual thing that could happen. Do I think that happens? I'm not sure. I, I, I've got, I'm somewhere between zero and two wins. That's where I'm at if they play this conference-only schedule. But then again, we don't even know if this is the case. And then secondly, we don't know who those other two teams are. They could be worse off than we think, those other two teams that we haven't figured out who they could end up scheduling. So it's, it's, uh, it's a loaded question that deserves a loaded answer, Kelly. I appreciate it. It was a good question. Thank you so much for that. Trip. Well, and if we oh. if we win two games, if we win two conference games, that that is extremely it, like winning one, not- we're like, okay, cool. But if we win two, do you realize that's twice as many as we've won in mm-hmm. the last like three years? So that's a big win. That's that's exactly right. Even if you go one and nine, 
that's still a big improvement because that means you probably yeah. would have went, you know, at least three and nine or possibly better in, in your regular slated schedule. Yeah, winning one conference game shouldn't be looked down upon, all things considered. Should Arkansas fans settle for this right now? Yeah. Yeah, that's the position you're in. Yeah, you've won four games last two years. Yeah, deal with it. That That is the reality. If you get one conference win in a, in a conference-only schedule, guys, that's improvement. <laughs> that's improvement compared to the last two years because you've won a grand total of zero conference games. That's a very good point. Uh, Trip says on Discord or wants to know, should the FCS – permanently play football in the spring that's an excellent question it's a good one yeah i know that david pollock there was a couple uh, of analysts that dug into this that were actually I, I didn't listen to any of them but i know that they made a case of, of that would be a good idea i think it's personally a horrible idea because first off you got to think about how are you going to do the nfl draft like if they have it in the spring are you going to do a supplemental one during the summertime just for fcs guys now in D2 and D3, you're going to be lucky to have one or two guys on a 53-man roster. That's just the way that it works. But last season alone, there was 137 FCS players that were on NFL 53-man rosters. That comes to – of the 32 teams, that, that's four guys per team from the FCS. On top of that, out of the 32 starting quarterbacks, two of them are FCS guys, Jimmy Garoppolo and Carson Wentz. So it's not like – a lot of these it's still fcs is division one so there is still plenty of talent cooper cup a wide receiver for the for the rams, rams. for your rams yep and you know another really great player there's tons of players that come out of the fcs that are big time contributors big time stars pro bowlers so i i think that this is just i mean i understand that that as each day goes by with no sports and i know i say no sports i understand the nba and the mlb is back praise god but you're still analysts are still scraping for content, and I think that this is all that that is. I, I think it's a horrible idea. I well, I don't know. The more I've thought about it since we last talked about it, like an hour ago, <laughs> I've I've kind of gone back and forth. Like I see I see what they could gain out of it because you know if you have if you if you have regular FBS football happening when it happens during the fall, man, that's 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 money for the FCS to have some kind of football during the spring. And I don't think it's a horrible idea. I just, I'm with you on the, on the NFL side of things. Like how do they do that with, you know, do they have a supplemental draft? Do they have a separate draft for, for FCS? Like how does that work? Um, but I think it's possible. And, and I, I don't know that it's a terrible idea. I, I guess if, if I had to cast a vote, um, I'd probably say sure. I, I'd probably go along with it, at least for this year. I don't know about permanently, um, but I think it's an opportunity because these are schools that are. I mean, let's be honest they they're pro, they're going to be so widely affected. They already have been. Um, they've already been affected by COVID and and by you know canceling and all this stuff. Um, to give them an opportunity for a future. For, for some form of financial gain, I could, I'd be okay with them doing it this year. Permanently, I don't know. I, I guess it just depends. If someone could draw out a better picture of how this would work with the NFL draft, because you're right, you know, you've, you've got contributors, major contributors at the next level that are from FCS. And uh, I haven't actually read the uh, Saturday, Saturday Down South, I guess, 
posted it, but it was about, you know, David Pollock talking. Is he with them now? What's the deal? Is he with Saturday Down South, or is he still with I ESPN? Think he He's still with ESPN, but I think he contributes. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not against – don't get me wrong. Like, I am all about football in the spring. I, I, I was very happy when I was still down in San Antonio – the AAF happened during the, the spring of 2019. It's like you had the Super Bowl, and then the next week you start the AAF. And we really embraced the, the commanders because San Antonio is a very, very football-starved town, and they've had so many semi-pro teams that have just come in for a season or not even a full season as the com- commanders situation went, and then just to have it taken away. Um, it, it was That was really tough. I mean, we would pack the dome. I went to, I think, three – I basically went to every home game, I think, except for one, and they didn't play the final two because the league had folded. But and, and the job that I was working at at the time, we actually did direct work with the AAF, so we would get like really good tickets, and we would get we would get invitations to go to some events at various restaurants in town. So that was a lot of fun, and I really bought into the team. There was I mean there was about I think the dome, the Alamo Dome, they have uh, sixty five thousand capacity, and we would usually fill that out to about thirty, basically half. 30 to 32,000. Wow. And so I'm all about spring football. I'm all about the XFL or the AAF. I understand the quality might not be as good. Now, I did boycott the XFL this past season before COVID took it out because I was very, uh, very bitter that San Antonio didn't get a team. I mean, they, they very much <laughs> surpassed the, all the expectations from the rest of the league. Now, because the AAF put league, they, they thought by going to Birmingham – and Orlando, and that they were, they're like, well, these teams don't have professional leagues or professional teams, San Diego, Salt Lake City, all that. So we're going to try going there. That's a terrible idea. Oliver Luck was genius by putting his teams, I think it was seven out of the eight teams were all in major markets, New York, LA. And so that was a, that was a genius idea. The AAF just was pretty much a failure from the get go. I, I kind of saw that by week two, basically. But um, I, I just don't ever really see leagues like that. I mean, every time that you go back to the USFL, AAF, the XFL the first time, we just don't see it. We're lucky to see it if it happens for a full season. We don't really see it past one. I, I really just don't know that we'll ever actually see, like, professional football for the long term in the spring. I'm not against it. I just don't think college football belongs there. I, like I said, someone, someone show me a format and how it could work. Because I can't, I can't picture how it works with the draft. Like that's what I'm having my, my the hardest time kind of wrapping my head around. Like I don't know how you, I don't know how you do that. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe they could still like those kids. They need all the exposure they can get. They need to play their like it's the opposite of, of FBS, where like you're going to be drafted just based on your potential. Very rarely is that the case in the FCS, uh, unless you're just an absolute like would without a shadow of a doubt, a badass and somebody who could excel in the NFL. Um, and, and I don't even know how often they get drafted in the first round. How many total in the last 10 years? I don't think, I don't think there's been, but just uh, you can count on one hand maybe. I don't know. But I, 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 I don't know that you, you put off the entire thing just because of the idea of, of what kind of impact it has on the draft or not. But it's still something. It's like an obstacle for them to get around because you know that's something those kids are playing for too, even if it is that level of football. So I, I don't know. I, I want to see a map of how you do that. I want to see him, and maybe I need to read his article uh, on SDS. I need to read that article and see if they have a map there. But yeah, I, I that's what I'm having a hard time kind of wrapping my head around. How do you how do you do that? How do you do that and still have 
And not only that, but then what about the what about the smaller non-power five schools like the schools in the Sun Belt who do need to schedule teams like that, you know, as if scheduling their own in-conference in-conference teams isn't already a cupcake. I mean, but that's not fair to say because they're playing with the same level of talent as you know Louisiana Monroe has a similar amount of talent as Arkansas State does, but still, like they still get paid from that. And in the FCS, they're going to collect paychecks. You know, like Portland State. You know, they collected a paycheck. They're going to lose out on that money. So it's it's yeah, a very UCA's playing at Mizzou this year. Oh, so they you are. You're right. Them going, yeah, they're, you think about the FCS schools going to the SEC schools. So that's oh, a good point too. Yeah. So that's money lost right there. So I, I don't know. I want to see this drawn out before before uh, Pollock just uh, says you know hits the button to make it happen i, I want to see it drawn out first see I, before i come to a conclusion that's a good damn question though trip good stuff that's, that's I, a really good question and i mean it's that's you could spend an entire pod over that you really could we probably could take up a whole other segment talking about that but uh, we appreciate everyone and their questions in the discord if you guys want to join the discord remember you can you can find it in our twitter bio there's a there's a link there that you click, and if you don't already have it downloaded, you can download it on your phone or on your computer, and uh, you could join the Hog Talk slash PTN Discord, where we typically, most of the time, keep it about sports. Some good, some good stuff there too. Sometimes we'll break news there first before anywhere else. So, you know, it's it's worth it's worth having. It's worth being there. So. I think we I think we covered just about everything. I don't know if we if we missed anything. If we did, we'll I guess we'll try to hit it up on the next show. But we appreciate each and every one of you on behalf of everybody here at the Hog Talk Podcast. Remember to uh, like. No, you don't want to do that. That's what you do on my YouTube channel. <laughs> Remember to rate and review the podcast on iTunes or Spotify, wherever, however you're listening. Rate and review the podcast. We really do appreciate you guys. And uh, that'll do it. Woo Pig Suey. Until the next, until the next podcast, you guys be good. Go on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.